Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author's Porch where every conversation, where every great conversation happens. And it happens because we trusted Brendan and Vomsey at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ-centered, veteran-owned coffee company today. On the show, we have Patricia Bates. How are you doing, Patricia? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. I am excited to talk to you because um, when I was reading your bio and I heard Dark Edgy, I was like, ooh, this is going to get really interesting. <laughs> so, guys, I want <laughs> I want to take a few minutes to get to uh, introduce you. Sorry, I just got like a poke of something in my eye. I was like, really awkward. <laughs> Thank you. So I want to introduce to Patricia to you guys, because I've been getting to know a little bit about her myself. And we're going to get really in the weeds and learn a whole lot about these dark, edgy books. So guys, Patricia is a Canadian author, and she writes dark, edgy, historical, contemporary suspense romances. Like, I'm all up in here about to learn some fantastic things. Um, and she believes that this is what really got me. And I think this is one of those quotes that you remember for a lifetime. She says, to bleed is to survive, but it's by loving that we truly live. Like, yes. that's something that you remember for a lifetime. Like, it, is that your direct quote? <laughs> that is my direct quote, yes. That's yep. epic. That's yep. truly epic. So, guys, Patricia lives in Canada with her husband, son, and fur babies. And when she's not writing, she loves to travel, crochet, and read. But you yeah. have, So let me ask you a question, because I know in, in, you got, being north of the border here in Canada, you guys haven't been able to travel very often, have you? Or are you open back up? We uh, we are sort of open in that we there are countries we can go to, but we usually have a, a travel mandate. Um, and to travel, you have to be double vaxxed with your at least with one booster, which yeah. means three jabs. Um, now, when I say travel, we um, my husband and I, when we first got together, this was twenty some odd years ago, uh, we decided that we were going to explore Canada first. Um, and it is such a huge country that that's probably going to take most of our lives. Yeah. So we've, uh, but we've been over most of Western Canada. We've been all over the Yukon, uh, up to the top of the world highway, uh, which is up past Dawson city. Um, we've been all over BC. Um, we've been over parts of Alberta. Um, and we are, we're in Saskatchewan. So we're exploring, uh, Saskatchewan, Manitoba. Um, we actually have, uh, Right by where we live, or close to where we live, we actually have the world's largest swing. So, oh my gosh, I'm in. I want to come visit. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. So, has the pandemic affected your writing and maybe some of your characters? Do you think that any of your characters or your writing has changed because of some of the inability to explore as much as you normally would? I think it's 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 impacted my ability to write in the sense where you know you you get tired or a lot faster because it's you're you're just constantly bombarded by everything. But I'm I'm a good one for picking up books. Uh, when I say I'm a reader, I mean I'm I'm an avid reader. I probably read three books a week, um, and it's not just fiction that I'm reading. I'm I, I read nonfiction. I read research material. I've actually got um, uh, three books that I'm working on right now that I'm taking notes from, that are all on Scottish history um, and Roman ancient Roman history as well. And so. I really think that I am actually getting a chance to explore the world um, 
from my armchair, honestly. It's very, it's, it's a very cost-effective method. Right? I like that. I like yeah. that. Everybody, cost-effective method of traveling. Read a good book. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. I mean, I have been to Rome. I've been to Neapolis. I have been to Pompeii. To um, I have been to France, to uh, Louis the... Um, to uh, I've been I've been to Ireland, ancient Ireland. I've been to, to Norway. I've I've been everywhere, um, just from my armchair, as opposed to you know paying out a lot of money to travel there. I mean, I still have places that I want to go on my bucket list, yeah. but um, for the most part, you know, I, and and I'm an avid um, I'm an avid follower of several travel shows as well. So if I do watch them, and most of them are on YouTube, and it's really nice because you're not seeing the touristy spots. You're actually seeing spots that people go to on a daily basis, whether it's temples or, you know, restaurants, and and you're really kind of getting. Um, a behind the scenes glimpse of what is there as opposed to just sticking to the, the travel areas. Yeah. And the best thing about reading about these places is if you have a good author, a, a good and a great author, you're going to actually experience these places. Yes. The words on those pages will incite emotions and feelings inside you that you never realized that you could experience just from reading. And I love that about the author world. It's yes. I think that's the that's the most fun part of it is yeah. you get to go to places that other Others don't necessarily get to see, you know, especially if you're reading or you're you're reading a book that isn't isn't um, modern society or, you know, you're reading a, an alien romance or a paranormal mm. romance or something with magic in it. It just just sucks you in. It's it's um, it's like having your own, you know, 3D movie theater in your mind, honestly. <laughs> Yeah. And you like the historical side of your books, right? Yeah. So what is it about the historical side that gets you and what element of that do you pull into your books? I think I think it's the just the differences in the culture and the way that um the way the things were organized. Um certain cultures historically um kind of take what we take for granted and throw it on its ear. Um you know, the ancient Celtic societies, for example, in my research, um, a lot of them were matriarchal as, as opposed to the, the typical, you know, you have a king and, and they were, it wasn't just, oh, well, you know, you're of my line, so therefore you're entitled. Um, and I think that was, that was part of it. And, and just looking at how, you know, they may do with so much less than what we have nowadays, um, Clothes don't hurt either. Um, I mean, some of these, the times and periods of history had some of the most beautiful clothing out there. Oh my goodness. Um, food was amazing. A lot of the time, you know, their food was, because they had to make do with what they had. So the food was just, oh. Um, they had so amazing if, feasts. Yes, yes, they did. The, the feasts that they had were absolutely, I remember when I was, I was uh, writing um, the Vicomte's Prize, it's, um, it's a Regency um, suspense-ish type spicy romance um, set during the Hundred Year War between uh, France and, and Poland and Persia and that. And um, I was actually reading up and I was trying to, I was doing my research on that. And it was really interesting because most of the time, these feasts that they were serving, they weren't hot because the kitchen was a mile away from where they were serving the dishes. Wow. So, um, so a lot of the time they were delivering food that was cold. So, you know, it, it, it's very interesting. The historical aspects of it are very interesting and, and how, it was perceived, you know, when you went to a royal feast, for example, if the king was done, you were done. Even if you still had half a bowl of soup, you, you know, if he was done, you were done. Everybody was done. Um, so it was really interesting. And certain kings had more, um, or royalty, I'm not just, not just kings, but queens too, had more of a, a, a love affair with food. So their, their feasts were a little bit more lavish. You know, they would have more courses and they would, you know, it was just, 
amazing at what they would they would be putting out and what they could do with certain foods like i mean um at one point in history they um they were actually making bacon out of sugar and and you know making it look like bacon and there was it, it's just amazing what they were, wow. were able to do so um and i i pull a lot of that into my stories and, and i don't necessarily always go for the light fluffy um rose colored glimpse of history um yeah. I tend to be one of these authors who likes to inject realism. Um, and mm. I love to read it in my, in what I'm reading as well. Um, so I, I like a little realism with my history as well. Um, whether that means that, you know, if you've got a character that's a courtesan, you know, um, she didn't have a choice, you know, she doesn't have a choice in who she beds. She doesn't have a choice on who her lovers are. Um, they're decided by the queen or the king or, 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 you know, her father. Um, so it, re, you know, I kind of try and bring that in. And I know that in today's society, it's really kind of walking a fine line because we are so focused on consent and, and yes. rights, you know, but I, I think to be true to history and, and yeah. to the time period, you do have to acknowledge that at certain times in history, women may not have had a rights. I mean, there was, there's, um, there's times in history, you know, there's instances of, of women who were in arranged marriages. They never met the groom until the wedding day. And sometimes they refused and their fathers would lock them in their room and starve them until they said yes, that they would agree to marry. So yeah. it's really, um, it's a fine line. Um, and I hope that I do it justice when I'm writing, but cause I do try to, I do try to focus on the realism, but make it, give it a little bit of a modern twist as well. So. Yeah. I think it's really important to be true to history. And the reason is, is if we try to hide what happened in history, you're doomed to repeat yes. the cycle. And, and it, that comes up in so many different aspects. A lot of people want to be, want to say, Let's not talk about the bad things that happened in the past. Well, you need to be aware of them. You don't need yeah. to glorify them, but you need to be aware so yeah. that they don't become a repeat. If, so I, I think it's, I, I commend you for bringing those aspects up because when you try to not talk about them, that's when they get repeated because yeah. So anyways, I won't beat a dead horse. So <laughs> So, so is that, do you consider that the dark edgy part of your, I do. Work? Um, I also, um, I have a book that I wrote last year. I put it out last year. Um, and I've, I, I have a critique partner. Hey, Carolyn, um, <laughs> who read it and, um, we were we were going through it and she was she's she's awesome um she does uh she we don't critique we edit uh we do developmental we do acquisitions content line all of that we that's what we do we literally take it down to the bare bones and then build it back up um and she was reading through it and and you know she's not typically a historical reader um, I'm just going to say that up front. She is not. She's admitted that. But we were doing a scene and um, there was a scene we were working on and she's reading through it and it's getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, let's. <laughs> and she's like, just her reaction once she actually got into the scene and actually seen what I was doing and, and, and how the character was handling things. She's like, no no and then she's like no and i'm like yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> um because i i didn't i was it, it's graphic but it's not like you know uh, it's not over the top i didn't embellish i don't um you know i don't you know give it go too deep with it i try to focus um on how the character is perceiving the situation um yeah so that the reader is the character. Uh, I, I don't I don't write shallow, I write deep point of view. So when you pick up a book of mine, you are the character. You are experiencing what they are experiencing. You're feeling, thinking, seeing, smelling. You're living as them. You're experiencing their life is how I try to do it. Um, so I had to get that kind of a reaction out of her was absolutely amazing because again she's it's not her genre that she normally reads and and she still says it's 
probably one of her most favorite books that she's ever she's ever uh, read. So I'm really happy about that. Wow, that's great. I love that when people when you see someone have that type of reaction with your book, it's like the aha moment. Like I'm I'm getting what I set out to do. Yeah, like I'm it's it's translating the way that you wanted it to. That's fantastic. Yeah. 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 When you were growing up, did did you always enjoy the historical aspects? Has this been something like a love affair from the beginning or was it something you grew into? No, this is something that I was in. I was interested in from from a very young age. Um, I I grew up with my grandparents, um, and of course, so I was exper- I was exposed to books to authors like Louis L'Amour, and you know, and you know, uh, movies with John Wayne, and you know, and it really kind of it was so interesting for me to see you know see the cowboys on their horses and and to you know really see the 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 gowns like. I think I think I was maybe nine when I saw Gone with the Wind for the first time, oh, and so um, <laughs> it was just it was just this overwhelming. Oh my God! I need to know more. And and then it, that was that was the end of it. I was I've been hooked ever since. And I'm not. Um, I, I love history. I, I'm not a huge fan of of modern history in the sense of we're talking, you know. Um, 20th century we're talking you know more of the you know the the 18 you know civil war and earlier into like ancient rome and ancient greece egypt um a lot of the the earlier cultures um yes. there's just something so fascinating about them you know to, to yeah. learn the different aspects um and the different cultural nuances that would that are, that are there that we maybe don't look at or they're they're so minute that you don't necessarily think of them when you're thinking of a culture um and for me that's huge i want i want to know all the details i want to get the nitty-gritty i want to you know i want to know what they ate i want to know you know i want to know how they did their hair i want to know you know what the social structure was like what the clothes were like you know um what their their lifestyle was like because it's so different from what we experience today yeah it's so raw as well so I want to just take a moment. You have some audience members here um, sharing in this conversation. So I want to acknowledge them and, and let you know they're here to support you. So you have Tammy Sorello. Um, she says, awesome job in writing. <laughs> we also have some show regulars. Paul Landry from Playtime Multimedia and Publishing. Um, he says, very interesting. He's watching. And we also have the marketing director over at Playtime Multimedia and Publishing, Elizabeth Johnson, they're uh, regulars here. They watch mostly all of our episodes, watching the authors, and they love getting involved. Um, she's watching, says good afternoon. They like watching and just supporting authors, um, everything the authors do on our show. So thank you for being here with us, guys. We have some other folks watching. They're being a little quiet and shy in the background. That's okay because <laughs> a lot of people just like to watch the show. So when you're writing, um, do you ever think about your time before you ever wrote books? Do you ever think about the time before you ever picked up that first pen and your life before being an author and what it was like before you ever wrote your first book? And what was that like? What was it like before you became an author? Um. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, I've been based, I've been writing since grade school. Um, oh, my wow. sister was 16 months older than I am. She went to school first. Um, she came home with these beautiful books. They're the red book, the blue book, the green book, and I might be dating myself. And if I am, well, I'm dating. <laughs> but, you know, and, and these books were all about, you know, um, you know, Sally has a red ball and, you know, um, Johnny walked down the street, very simplistic books. And as I said, I, I grew up with the influence of Nora Roberts and Louis L'Amour and, mm-hmm. and you know, Janet Daly and those sorts of, of authors that were in the house. And my sister was brought these books home and I'm like, I want to learn how to read. I need to learn how to read so that I can be like my sister. And so my grandma said, okay, well, that's fine. We'll, we'll get you started on learning how to read. And then... Um, 
so we started on those ones and then uh, we graduated to a little bit more of the the Louis L'Amour and the Janet Daly and the Nora Roberts. Yeah. And, and um, so by the time I actually got to school, I, I had kind of mastered the reading. <laughs> <laughs> so um grade one came along um and and we started doing the the learning how to print and the learning how to write and those sorts of things and i had a really amazing teacher um in grade two who uh loved the idea of being creative she was very much one of these well if you're going to learn how to write you need to learn how to write properly and you know we want you to learn how to write sentence structure you know the old-fashioned read write and arithmetic kind of mentality and so she's like you know she's like okay well this is what we're going to do and then i i was talking i remember having a conversation with her and it was so funny because i said to her i says this is really boring i want to do more <laughs> <laughs> and i just remember my sister looking at me going Shh, don't say that um because at the time we were in the same classroom and i'm like well no because i already know this i'd already been doing it at home because my sister again was older than me she'd already started bringing this home i'd already started learning this yeah so the teacher's like well why don't we start giving you some of the stuff that's in a little bit older grades so by the time i hit grade three three and a half middle of grade three early grade four i was doing poetry um and short wow. stories so I don't really remember a time before I wasn't writing. Um, now, if you mean professionally, I didn't actually start writing with a mindset of doing writing for publication until probably my son was four, um, which would have been 2006. I sat down and I started writing my first book and someone had said to me, well, I really like this book. Why don't you see if you can get it published? So that's what I did as I, I figured, well, I'm going to give it a shot. And so I sent it out to the publishers and I got a, I got a contract offer from uh, Champagne Books. And wow. so I'm like, oh, okay. So I'm reading it over and I'm like super excited and everything. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And that was kind of the catalyst to jumping head first, feet first into the deep end of the publishing industry. And, uh, that was my first book, which was Master's Mistress, uh, which is Celtic and Viking romance, 8th century Ireland. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I haven't looked back. It, it's been it's been a heck of a ride. I'll be honest with you. It's been a wild ride. But I haven't looked back since then. It's been um, it's just been crazy. It's been but a lot of fun, a lot of fun, but crazy and a lot of work, a lot of behind the scenes stuff. There's a lot of things that I I didn't know. Um, a lot of things that I kind of had to muddle my way through and learn on the go. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think that's part of the journey. That's part of the excitement of being a writer is, is learning the different, the differences in what you need to do to end, to get to your end goal. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You, as a writer, people think you just write a book and you make millions of dollars and you sit back and then you'll write another one. And, and it's just all, you know, making up things in your mind and it's super easy. And you're like, Oh, I wish. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, it so is. Are all your books romance or do you have other genres that you write in? All I have, um, I would say probably 95% of my books are romance. Um, I write under uh, two different pen names as well as Patricia Bates. Um, and I write um, uh, paranormal romance. I write LGBTQ romance, um, romantic suspense. And then I get into a little bit more of the dark paranormal romantic suspense, LGBTQ stuff. Um, and then I do historical fiction. Um, this I, I I've got just released last late last year, the uh, gladiators promise, which is historical fiction with romantic elements. It is not a romance. It is romantic elements, but it is definitely not romance. Oh my gosh. I love a gladiator book. I, I mean, just gladiators in general, like that's my jam. Give me, Hello. can you tell us a little bit about those books? So I started off with chains of Rome. Um, and Chains of Rome is the story of Solaria and Tritus. Um, and Solaria starts off the book as this kind of opinionated, strong-willed, um, iron of like 
ironclad backboned house slave to Achillea, um, who is the dominant of the house, the mistress of the house. And um, Solaria has a has a, a reputation as being cursed or touched by Discordia uh, or the, the goddess of chaos um, because she was born under a lunar eclipse during a storm and she's got dark hair and light blue eyes and she's, you know, uh, she's skilled in medicines and, and those sorts of things. And so she's kind of got this, this bit of a reputation as being, you know, you don't want to mess with her because she'll curse you. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's still a slave. And as a slave, she has no voice. She has no rights, um, you know, and her domina despises her. I mean, Achillea would just love to just, you know, get rid of her, but she can't. She's actually bound to own Solaria for life because that was a condition that was given when she was, they were both little girls. And um, Solaria was given to Achillea as, as a child. They were both, uh, they were the same age. Um, but one came from a Roman background and one came from a slave's background. And so um, what winds up happening, Solaria does exactly what she's told to do. Um, Achillea has a baby and Achillea is like, you need to get rid of it. I don't want it in this house. My husband's not here. And in ancient Rome, they did not, um, abandoning children was a common occurrence for one and for two it was up to the family the the father of the family to decide whether they were going to keep the child or not he wasn't there so she's like yeah get rid of it i don't want it i do not want to be a mother so solaria takes it to a temple and gifts it to this other woman who is very appreciative of getting this child but she's late getting back to the villa she doesn't make it back in time not to get caught by the soldiers because there's an auction happening and Achillea is absolutely furious because Solaria has basically, even though she has done what was commanded, she's humiliated Achillea. So she um, she orders her punished. And ultimately what winds up happening is Solaria finds herself in amongst a bunch of trainee gladiators. These are men that were bought at the auction for the sole purpose of being turned into gladiators because Achillea's husband wants to dabble in the in the arts of, of the gladiators and that sort of thing. Um, and so for her, it was a case of, you know, she has to figure out how to protect herself. And so she starts watching the men practice and train. And she forms a relationship with Tritus, who is a captured chieftain who was taken from the field of battle and he's brought in. And it's originally, it's a very symbiotic relationship because he needs her to train him how to live as a slave to survive because otherwise he's going to wind up dead very, very quickly because he doesn't know when to shut his mouth. Um, and she needs him to keep her safe while she heals from the beating that she got and to help train her to protect herself, to defend herself. Um, Achillea comes up with this great idea. They're, 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 um, her husband, Lycaeus, decides he's he's buys this great estate down in Pompeii. So they're going to move and he's going to be a Camillanista and he's going to do all this wonderful things. So he decides that they're going to have this display of, you know, bloodshed. And Achillea decides, well, let's stick Solaria in and we'll pit her against a trained gladiator that has has met the challenge and passed and done all this, these good and is an actual gladiator. We'll, we'll pit a house slave against a gladiator. It backfires on her incredibly badly because what winds up happening is Achillea wins. She beats the gladiator. She breaks his arm. And um, I didn't realize when I was doing the research for this, but but if you know what you're doing, you only need 11 pounds of pressure to break a bone. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, she defeats this gladiator, which ultimately sets her on a path to becoming a gladiator herself. She come, becomes a gladiatorix. And like he has hey. seen <laughs> this woman who is going to make him a killing, a fortune in the arena. Because here she is, she's beaten the gladiator. And normally in ancient Rome, gladiatorics did not fight men. They did not fight men. They fought other women, they fought beasts, but they didn't fight men. Right. But he's like, he kind of breaks the rules a little bit and throws her in to, to fight against uh, other men. And she takes it all in stride. She's like, yeah, no, I'm going to do this and I'm going to win. Then she learns this little secret that potentially has the power to change absolutely everything. 
everything. And I am not going to give away the secret. If you want to know. You oh, I was to- waiting for it. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm sitting there like, oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Well, no, no. You got to grab the book. You got to get the book. Um, yeah. But it is, you know, and this this secret has the power to destroy certain people in the book. And um, instead of using it to do what she could do, Solaria takes the high road. She She's like, no, 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 no. I, I know how I'm going to get my freedom. I'm going to be free. I'm going to be out of this. And what winds up happening is she is she is told that um, her lover Tritus is killed, um, mm. and so she's devastated. So she does she has no hope of getting out any other way. So she goes into this. She goes and she's she uses the information that she has to create a little bit of unrest, and then she goes into the idea of I'm going to go out on the sands and I'm going to fight only as hard as it takes for them to kill me. I am going to be free, and. So she's she's got this game plan. So she's sitting in the bottom of the Colise- of the amphitheater. She's sitting awaiting her turn in the arena, and the door opens, and this guard comes in. Well, it's not a guard. It's her. It's it's Tritus. Tritus comes in, and he's like, "We're going to get you out of here. We're going to be free. I have secured a way of escaping from Pompeii." And then, so that, that's what they do. They wind up ultimately escaping but not before she uses the the knowledge that she has to put the fear of the gods in 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 certain people and um yeah it's it's a lot of fun it is it is uh, one of those books that it will grab you by the throat and shake you and yeah it's you will you will remember it long after the last page is, t- is turned and uh so that's Chains of Rome. The other one, Gladiator's Promise, which came out in October, is a novella in the same series. And it features Arya. Arya is, um, she is a slave in the same household as Solaria was. But she was a household slave, which was made into Achilles' body slave after Solaria went to the Ludus, um, which is a school for gladiators. And uh, she ultimately... Um, Arya is is broken in a lot of ways. She's she's suffered a great deal. She's very broken. And in Gladiator's Promise, um, Lycaeus is trying to gain favor to actually be able to attend the games in Rome themselves, not in the smaller areas, which was was a rarity because going to Rome, that's a very expensive, very long, drawn-out process. So he's trying to build up credibility to actually get to Rome to to have his gladiators compete on the main sands in the main Colosseum. And so he reaches out to another uh, Lanista who's in Herculaneum, and what winds up happening, so he... Uh, Lycaeus is gone from the villa when Keller, who is the hero in Gladiator's Promise, shows up. And Keller is he's not he's not a Roman in the sense that he's not he's not Roman born. He's actually a freedman. Um, he was a gladiator um, who earned his right to freedom. Um, he impressed a um, he impressed a a high powered Ro- Roman. Uh, senator and and so he wound up winning his freedom and he has spent most of his adult life uh, fighting in the arena with one thought in mind that he is going to get back the girl who he loved when they were children well not we would call them children because they were 12 and you know 11 and 12 so he's got this mindset that he's going to get her back and so this is what he's doing he's doing everything he can to find her to return her to him because he's always held her in his heart that's who he's fought for all this time well when he goes to like Chias and Achilles um villa to their, their their residence in Pompeii lo and behold the woman that he's been searching for 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 all these this time is there and so he makes it a condition um of like Chias's gladiators being in a match with his that no no if you want this match this girl, this woman is coming back with me. So Achilles agrees to it, of course. And uh, so Arya leaves and she comes back to an environment that is completely different than what she's used to. Um, she goes from having no voice to suddenly having a voice to 
um, having choices to, you know, to being free in the sense, but it's really hard for her to wrap her mind around it and really hard for her to, to trust Keller because she doesn't, she doesn't trust men as a whole um, because of all of her experiences. And so what winds up happening is um, Keller is very patient with her and he's very encouraging and he's very warm and he's, you know, he's an alpha without being an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> and <That's possible. laughs> I think so. I hope so. <laughs> he um he manages to convince her that she can be free, she can make her own choices, and ultimately what winds up happening is she becomes the the dominant of the house, she becomes his equal, and um sh their relationship progresses. And ultimately, she puts she she really knocks Lycaeus and Achilles on their their backsides because they show up and and Lycaeus is demanding her return because, in in his eyes, she's a tool to be used. Like that's who he would send to other influential Romans to seduce, to get backing, to get financial, you know, money monies or whatever, right? Or 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 privileges. So in his mind, this is a tool that he needs to continue on with that. And so when he does, he shows up and he's like, yeah, no, you're not, you don't belong in these fancy robes. You belong in the, 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 the slave dress and so on and so forth. And uh, she stands up to him and it's just like the, the story is about her coming into herself, coming into her, her emp empowering herself as opposed to just staying that meek, mild, you know, oh my God, I have, I have knocked over a lamp and spilled three drops of oil. So therefore I am going to be punished. So that was it's a, it was both of them are a lot of fun i am working on a third book um which is uh seduced by her enemy um and i'm hoping to have that out at some point this year but i'm also got a couple of other projects on the go which are a little bit uh, a little bit different than than the the ancient roman ones very interesting wow so you've got your you've got your hands busy i try to <laughs> yeah your hands and your typewriter Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say typewriter. I'm dating myself now. So <laughs> keyboard. Okay, keyboard. So I just embarrassed myself a little bit. But I did practice on a typewriter when I was learning how to type. But that's uh -huh. okay. Yeah. So if you, but, but that's amazing. Like whenever you can get books to intertwine like that, you can have a series. I mean, that that's just that's where you get your readers. And I think it's yeah. that's what authors, you know, standalone books are great. I have all my books are standalone because I knew that they were going to, they had other parts to them later. Yeah. Um, so when you can get the other parts to them, because I'm telling you, like I will find a book just like a TV series. And when I know that there's more than one, I'm on it. But if it's just one, I'll go, mm, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you have to definitely grab those, those ones with parts. So if you could give, cause you're, you're a seasoned writer, you've, you've wrote books in, in different genres as well as uh, multiple books in one genre. So you've been there, you've done that. You've, you've went around the world in a day, <laughs> <laughs> but if you had any advice to give to other authors who they want to make their dream come true as well, they have these ideas and, and maybe they, since they were young, like you, they've, been writing or maybe it wasn't until they were older like me that they was able to actually bring their dream to fruition what what advice would you give them to let them know that they can do it that you know don't let your dream fall by the wayside I would say find your passion find your lane um you know what do you you know what do you love to write write it find your niche, find your lane, um, write it. Don't look, um, when you start writing, don't look at it as a hobby, approach it as a business. Mm -hmm. um, look at it that way. You are, you are investing in yourself, in your own creativity, feed that creativity, write, follow that dream, because that dream is going to take you so so many places do not give up do not listen to the naysayers do not listen to the ones that are telling you oh well you shouldn't do this because you're too young you're too old you you know you work full-time you work part-time you know whatever it is ignore the naysayers feed that creativity yeah sit down button the chair and just write that would be my best exam the best advice 
Yeah, I um I interviewed a, a lady one one time, and um, when she told me her age, I almost fell on the floor. I I couldn't believe it. She was in her eighties, and I was like, "There's no way." I mean, she, one, she didn't look. There was no. She didn't even look. But then I thought she just published a book. Like she's still going strong. Like I want to be her when I grow up. I yes. want to know yeah. that that you don't have. You know, there's nothing that's going to stop you, whether you're young or you're older seasoned unseasoned you know no matter what if you have that passion so i love that advice that you gave because it's it's one of the rawest and truest pieces of advice that you can give somebody and you know i i've i've seen i've seen a lot of authors come in they write a book they don't make a million dollars they get discouraged and they walk away and that's that other piece right feel that create feel that creativity but also look at it as a business and yeah. knowing that you're looking at it as a business will help you figure out where you need to go, what you need to do, because it's also going to help you look past the discouragement, the not, you know, maybe that first book doesn't sell very well. Um, I, I attended a conference, um, a digital conference last winter um well i guess it would be this winter because it would have been november november i believe it was and one of the presenters that, that i was listening to um she's like you know i didn't make it i didn't make enough off of my books to be able to support myself to live to be able to you know go to conferences and have a nice house and and be able to pay off my car until i had 40 books out don't write one see it as a negative when you're not hitting that bestseller list you know what, write the next one and the next one and the next one, because the more you write, the better you're going to be, because guess what? That's your back library and your back library is going to be your biggest investment. That's where most authors make their money. Yep. So true. So true. Where can people reach you if they want to uh, book you or read one of your books or just say hi? Um, well, I am on Facebook. Um, I am also on Instagram and I'm on TikTok. Yes, I, I am on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have to be. So uh, I'm, yeah. I'm always doing some, cra- I was a potato the other day. I did a video. I was like, I'm a potato. <laughs> yeah, it's embarrassing, but I totally did it. I was like, why not? Let me try this. Yeah, you got to have fun with it. So uh, yeah, I am on uh, TikTok, uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um TikTok and uh, Instagram handle is at uh, Patricia Bates, uh, romance author or author. Uh, You can also find me on my website, www.patriciabates.com. And I have my link tree up there. So you can find me on all of my social media, including uh, my podcasts, my YouTube channel. um, And uh, if you uh, if you would like me to come speak or do any of that, I am available. Just shoot me an email at uh, Patricia Bates author at gmail.com. It's all one word. Um, It's P-A-T-R-I-C-I-A Bates, B-A-T-E-S, just like the motel author at (laughs) gmail.com. And um, yeah, I'm I'm around. Uh, I also do. Uh, I have a, a Facebook group called Serious Writers Haven. So uh, anyone who's interested, come join that group. Um, we are all like-minded uh, authors and individuals who are serious about the craft, serious about um, learning everything we can. Uh, we do roundtables, which are, uh, it's a live event um, once a week. And basically what we do is we sit down, we have a conversation, we do a presentation on different things. Um, we have guests. Uh, we, we had uh, Ryan and Terry from Plotter the other day. We've got Dave Chesson coming up this month. Um, we've had Trisha Crouch, which is Alessandra Torres' uh personal PA. So we have a lot of really cool people that come in. Um, We also have me and I do, um, I do the presentations and, and share my font of information that I have, my resources, some of what I've learned throughout the years, um, because I've been doing this for a number of years. And uh, yeah, it's open to all genres. It's open to all skill levels. Um, 
come out and have some fun. Check out the round tables. Uh, we've, uh, we actually just had before Christmas, we had a lady who is a marketing specialist come in and do a two hour presentation and Q and a, and it was absolutely phenomenal. Tons of fun. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. <laughs> Awesome. And I've also included your links in the comments here on Facebook and YouTube. Um, but for the podcast folks tomorrow, when I get this up, I want to make sure that they can uh, hear it and maybe write it down. So this is the part where we turn it into the Patricia Bates show. So anything that we wasn't able to cover in the time that we've talked, I'm going to take myself off screen and put you wide on the screen here so everybody can see you. Not that you know, we're making you nervous or anything. No, I'm just joking. Um, and give you the opportunity to talk directly to your audience and to the fans out there who um, want to talk to you and only you so you can share some information with them. So I'm going to turn it over to you, give you those two minutes so that you can share anything that you want to that we weren't able to talk about. Okay, I'll see you in a couple minutes, right. Patricia. Sounds good. Um, well, first of all, thank you everybody who, who has come out today. I am so glad to uh, see you guys here. You'll have to forgive me. I am blind as a bat without my glasses. So I see that there is some comments. I'm going to put my glasses back on. So please forgive the ring light uh, reflection in them. Um, I need to be able to read. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I am a uh, dark historical uh, romance author, dark historical fiction. Um, I just released a, a new book uh, called The Haunted pa uh, Hunter's Desire. It is the first in, uh, in two books, which are the dark paranormal romantic suspense LGBTQ with um, supernatural elements. Um, it is set in small town uh, Canada, and it's features a physical medium in book in that book and it is all about um the these two guys they're trying to find to find a missing woman and the one guy doesn't realize that he's the main subject um and they're battling their attraction and it's yeah it's a lot of fun there is a massive massive um rule break in it but i fix it so <laughs> it's absolutely interesting um yeah, and, and so there's that one. Um, what else? I am super uh, excited about this new project that I have started. Um, and it is a Scottish Highlander series. Book one is going to be out this spring. Um, I am currently working on book one, and it should be out in um, in the end of April, beginning of May for pre-order. Uh, it features kidnapped brides, enemies to lovers, and the first book is um, Callum and Elizabeth's story. They are bitter enemies. Their two clans have been at war for, for generations. Um, and so what winds up happening is it's a kidnapped bride with a twist because it's not the bride that gets kidnapped. It's the groom in this one. So uh, there's a very foul rumor afloat. And um, Elizabeth's father is intent on reclaiming his family's honor and uh, sends out his his clansmen to find this man who is allegedly uh, sneaking around to see Elizabeth. Um, and it's a foul rumor. There's no truth to it, but they don't know that. They, they stumble upon him and he's by himself. They ambush him and they drag him back and, and it's shotgun wedding without the shotgun. It's more of a broadsword um, wedding. Um, and it's only after the fact and after he's left the whole the, the Graham holding that that things start to become very clear. And she's like, oh, boy, <laughs> because now she's in a situation where she's she's married to the enemy. And so they have to kind of make it work. Um, so it's a lot of fun to write. It's not going to be quite as dark as Chains of Rome or uh, Gladiator's Promise, but it is dark. There's lots of battle scenes and there's lots of subterfuge. And throughout book one, we're trying to figure out who started this rumor. And the answer will surprise you. So uh, if, you, um, if you would like more details, I do updates in my newsletter. You can find it on my website as well. And if you sign up for my newsletter, I do have a free book that you guys can get. Um, so check out my website again. That's www.patriciabates.com. Um, sign up for the newsletter. You can get the free, uh, it's a free historical. It's a very spicy one, but it is there for you. Um, I am also uh, looking for ARC readers. So if you want to be at the head of uh, everybody else and have a chance to read my work before it goes out, um, 
yeah, you can check me out, uh, send me a message, send me an email. I do have on my website a, an ARC sign-up sheet. And for those of you who are following who may not be familiar with that term, it's advanced reader's copy. And I usually send those out um, I try to send them out at least four weeks before the book is due to come out live. So if the uh, uh, Steak and Groom is coming out in um, for pre-order in May, uh, when it goes up for pre-order is when I would actually be sending out the ARCs because it's going live in June. And I see that my thing here is going. Um, there we go. Ah, oh, yay. <laughs> so yeah, that is, uh, that's what's going on these days. Awesome. Wow. You are a fantastic lady, Patricia. I have had a great time learning more about your books, about the wonderful things that you do to put into your writing and how you're giving back to the author community. I'm going to have to shoot you an email and find out about that group myself because that is super interesting. And I love it when authors, not only are they wanting to write fantastic books by putting the research in and, and really getting into the weeds of learning about their craft, but also giving back to the author community. Because I think out of all the communities I've been involved with throughout my however many years I've been alive, um, <laughs> the author community is one of the friendliest and one of the ones that gives back so yes. much. And I, and I love that about the author community. So thank you for that. And thanks for coming on the show today. It has been a fantastic journey. And, and I think that one that I think that we're going to have many more conversations with hopefully in the near future. I hope so. I hope so. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming on Patricia guys. Don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or on the podcast right here on Facebook. You can also ask Siri or Alexa, and I did unplug my Alexa this time, so she's not going to try and talk to me, okay, um, to play our latest episodes. Head to our website, catch our latest issue. Yes, that is my dogs. They decided to come and join us at the end of the show. Um, get the latest issue of the magazine, which came out at the beginning of January, and submissions are now open for the April issue of the Author's Porch magazine. They are due the beginning of March, March 1st. Everything is due. We want to continue making authors' dreams come true by, by providing them a platform to shine. We will see you guys next time. If you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker, visit our friends Brendan and Vomsey at mastertalk.ca where they teach you how to use the power of your voice. Don't forget, stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven. That's thirddaycoffeeseguin.com. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ that is Patricia. Go read her books and write on. Bye, everybody. Bye, Patricia. Bye-bye. Thanks so much. Thanks. The Author's Court is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.